I'm continuing with us the message series entitled Convinced. Look at somebody sitting next to you and say, you got to be convinced. You got to be convinced. And so again, the purpose of this message series is to challenge and build up our faith in what we believe about God. This series was impressed again by me by the Holy Spirit because he began to speak to me concerning that we, some of us, are impartial when it comes to God and what we believe about him, his word, and his power. Hence the reason for, hence the reason why we are stuck a lot of times in doing various things because we're not fully convinced. You don't, sometimes people don't really do things they're not fully convinced about. And then sometimes they, they, they're convinced but they're, they're paralyzed in fear. But my prayer is by the end of this message and by the end of this message series, my prayer is that we'll be fully convinced in our faith and about who God is, his promises and his power. Because his promises are available to anyone who would believe. You just have to have faith. The way you receive his promises is through faith. That you receive salvation through faith. None other than that. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 and 9 will tell you that. So my prayer is by 2 Corinthians 5.11. My prayer is so because we stand in awe of the one true Lord, we make it our aim to convince all people of the truth of the gospel. God sees who we really are. And I hope you in some way that you'll look deeply into our consciousness to see us as well from the voice Bible. So that is my prayer as well as Apostle Paul to you today is that you would, again, God knows my heart and I'm trying to convince you of the truth of this gospel concerning your life. Amen. Romans chapter 8, verse 35. I want to talk to you. I'm not going to do much reviewing of last week because the message is up. I want to go straight to the point because i got a lot to cover. Verse 35, and I'll be reading this from the New Living Translation. It says, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? This is a question. Does it mean, does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity? or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death. As the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day, we are being slaughtered like sheep. Verse 37, no, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Say he loved me. Here in verse 38 it says, and I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Keyword meaning nothing. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither neither watch this our fears for today, nor worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. Verse 39 says no power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed nothing and all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So tonight I want to deal with, uh, I want to I talk to you about being convinced about God's love. We're going to talk about being convinced in God's love. Because if you're not, I can't talk, I had a plan to talk about Abraham and how he was fully convinced about the promises of God. But God began to take me in the direction. I'll do that next week. But he began to take me into a direction because after we see a promise fulfilled on this Saturday, then I'm definitely going to talk about it. So he began to talk to me about the love 
the love that he has for us, right? And how some people really ask themselves the question, I don't know if you've asked yourself the question, but at some point, some of us, does God really love me? Does God really love me? Um, and, and I think the thing that we struggle with the most is this question, how can God love me? Because a lot of us, we hear, we've heard messages, or some of us, this may be your first time hearing a message about the love of God. But we've heard messages about the love of God, and it's, 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 the love of God is calm, it, it, it goes beyond human comprehension. Yeah. It really does. Because the way we think about love is not the way that God thinks about love. I'm telling you, this is the truth. The way God can love despite knowing the facts about a person is amazing because I thank God that I'm not him. I think all of us can tell the truth because you can name some folk right now in your mind that you don't got much love for. I got about five. I got about five. I get that from Uncle Ruckus from the Boondock Show, but if y'all know, y'all know probably what I'm, the episode I'm talking about. You can name you some, but God's love, ladies and gentlemen, is not like uh, is not how we go about love, and that's what you have to understand that God's love is different from how humans interact with one another, and how humans deal with love. God has a love. That goes beyond comprehension. All right? Because here's the deal. A lot of us in this room, or some of us, there's two things that hell holds you up about really receiving God's love. You know, there's two things that really holds us up. One of the things that holds us up is, is, is the perception that we have and hold about God. That's one of the things that holds, that holds us up. And the other thing, ladies and gentlemen, that begins to hold us up, uh, 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 that holds us up is that um, we have an unhealthy fear of God. You have an unhealthy fear of God and also you have an unhealthy perception of who God is. A lot of times, no matter some denominations that you may have came out of, put an unhealthy fear in your mind about who God is. Because in a sense of trying to control you and a sense of trying to manipulate you, they will say various things to make you think uh, uh, they will say things that are not graceful, but works. So they will. So they'll make it seem in your mind that if you do something bad, you will fall out of the grace of God. So some denominations out of a way of manipulating you to keep you in check will say various things about deeds, 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 and there's nothing about your deeds, deeds, deeds that can really receive the love of God outside of receiving his son. Yeah. Are you hearing me? And so the thing about it is a lot of us have an unhealthy perception because of where we may have came out of. Then a lot of times we may have an unhealthy perception about God, not, not even if you didn't have a religious background. Some people just have an idea that there can't be a God that will love me because of who I am. Here's the thing that I'm going to say, and it's going to really challenge you. The fact of the matter is that God does not hate humanity. 
God cannot hate anything that he's created. <laughs> now, here's the thing. God regretted at one time what was going on. But he regretted it because of the wickedness that was going on in the land. Here, watch this, the wickedness. Hence, therefore, he tells Noah, I want you to build an ark. Because the reality is, he didn't wipe everyone off of the face of the earth because he still had a remnant. God, God Almighty. Hallelujah. Of someone that he created to say that you're going, we're going to start this whole thing over with you and your seed. All right. So some people have a hard time getting their minds around because the enemy has done a great job of convincing you that God is cannot love you because of who you are and because of what you have done. And so we have a hard time of getting over that. Here's the other thing that the enemy has done a good job with. A lot of times he has influenced you and influenced your perception of who God is through your father. And so with influencing your influencing uh, your mind through your father, then you begin to look at God as your human father. So if you were abandoned by your human, if you were abandoned by your physical father, then you will feel like your heavenly father will abandon you. If you feel like you have, if you feel like your physical father was had a whole bunch of rules and all of this stuff like that, it was you couldn't do nothing to please him, no matter how hard you tried. That would make you seem, it would make you feel like you gotta be on a works basis with God to be, uh, to approve or be approved of His love. Are you hearing me? So a lot of times the enemy will infiltrate your physical, your, your earthly father to make you and, and to 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 uh, cloud your judgment of what you think your heavenly father is. And that's what's held a lot of people up. There's people who have father issues and because they have father issues, they see their heavenly father in the same scope. And that is unhealthy because you will you begin to treat him, oh my God, as if he's your physical father and he's not. Are you hearing me tonight? The reality is, is that the enemy has done a great job of infiltrating our mind with unhealthy thoughts about God. And so how we perceive God is the way we begin to react to him. Because even in time that God tries to put us in order or put us in check because of what you remember about your early father is like, no, who are you going to tell me? You were never there. You were never this. You were never the, the, all of this stuff like that. And God said, hold up. Wait a minute. I've been here all the time. I'm not the same. The Bible clearly says if your earthly uh, mother and father forsake you, I am here. Okay. So I'm just saying is that we have an unhealthy fear and some of us have an unhealthy fear that's not good of God. The beginning of all wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Here's what it's referring to. It is referring to fear in the sense of reverence, not in the sense of being scared of God. Here's what I'm telling you. God is not telling you to be afraid of him. God wants you to put him in a high esteem. Are you hearing me? High esteem, high respect. God is saying, no, I'm your father. You put me at an esteem. You put me at a respect level. And the reason being because you can't talk to me like you, like you talk to everybody else. It ain't the same thing. 
Because there's still an order in this thing. But a lot of times, if, again, if you struggle with the issue of obedience, you will struggle with that with your heavenly father. Because out of rebellion, you're not going to tell me what to do. All right. So, again, we struggle with that. Here we go. First John chapter four, verse 18, verse 19 is not there, Daniel. So don't get married. OK, there is no fear in love. But perfect love cast out fear because fear involves torment. I stop there. Fear involves torment. Torment. Some of us think that God is somebody who's, oh my God, is going to torment you every time you do something wrong. Then that's not grace. That's not grace. So, in other words, I have to begin to tell you about who your father is, your heavenly father is. I must walk you through the, pro the aspect of understanding that if you're going to be perfected in the love of God, you must understand who he is. Because it says, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. If you have a proper understanding of the love of God, then you will not have a fear or be torment or be afraid of God because you've been perfected in the love of God, understanding what his love is like. Are you seeing this? If you understand what the love of God is, then you won't have you won't be afraid. Oh, my God. And here's the reason why a lot of us run away from God when we get ourselves into some sticky situations, because you are afraid that he's going to do something to you. So you don't run to him. Instead, you make things worse by keeping yourself out of, oh, my God, out of the covering of the father. Because you're afraid. Oh, God, what is he going to do to me? What is he going to do to me? A lot of things that we, listen, a lot of things we get ourselves into is not because God did it to us. It's because of our own decisions. God doesn't do anything. God gives you the, a way of escape to get out of it. Are you hearing me? That's the love of God. So here's the thing. We must understand this principle that love is an essential aspect of the character of God. One of the characteristics of God is one being of love. Love describes the character and the heart of God because he is rich in love and compassion. First John chapter four, verse seven and eight begins to say, dear friends, let us continue to love one another for love comes from God. Let me stop right there. Number one, he is the creator. He is the uncreated creator. And so he created this thing called love. And so real love comes from God. He is the originator. Love is rooted in God. Are you hearing me? Love is rooted in God. And so anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. So really, if you are really of his, then you will really have the love of God residing in you. And it begins to flow on those who you come in contact with. That's how you know you're a real one of God. Are you hearing me? Here, here's verse eight. It says, but anyone who does not love does not know God for God is what? Love. So it says again, God is love. Here's the key thing. Love. It did not say love is God. It said God is love. This is very important. Because here's why people get held up. They get held up on the fact, well, if a loving God is so loving, why does a lot of calamity happen in the world? If God is such a loving God, why is that people go to hell? If God is such a loving God, that's so they get caught up on this uh, of one aspect of his character and making it the whole. That's right. That's right. Mm. 
One of his aspects of it is him being loved. But the, but the importance of you understanding that his love is what colors all of the rest of his character. So he can't be, oh my God, so he can't be righteous without having a sense of love. So he can't be judge, he can't be a righteous judge without having a sense of love. So all a part of his, all the rest of his character is colored by love. All right. So love is the root. It's the basis. It says God is love. In other words, God is one of the aspects of who God is. That God is love. That love is, he didn't say love is God, but God is love. Because love originates from him. He's rich in compassion. He's rich in mercy. Psalm 145 verse 8 and 9 will say the Lord is merciful and compassionate. And here's the key part, and that's what I thank God for. He is slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. I thank God that he's mighty slow with me. Because if it was me, if it was, if it was, if it was I in the reverse, I get very irritated with certain things. I thank God I'm not God. I'll continue to say that. Like certain things will irritate me. It will, I, it will say like, okay, this is how you're going to act. You want to run your mouth? Okay. <laughs> Here's the temperature rising. <laughs> I'm about to explode. Huh? Hallelujah. Slow to get angry. There's some people you, you really want to love them, but they force your hand to tip over the t- or to tip over the bowling pot and let it really explode on them. But that's not what God does. Oh, my God. He's slow to get angry. That's very important when you do stupid stuff. Sometimes all of us do some stupid stuff and he's slow to anger. He's long-suffering with you and I. God is love. That is a part of his character. And so, and he says his unfailing. That means that God's love never fails. And so verse 9 will say the Lord is good to everyone. Here's the deal. He didn't say that the Lord is just good to the righteous. He says the Lord is good to everyone because the very fact of the matter is the Lord is, oh my God, the Lord allows the sun to shine on the just and the unjust. He allows the just and the unjust to wake up in the morning. So God is, oh my God, he's good to everyone, but he's waiting. Oh my God, but he's extra good to those who are on his, oh my God, on his side, ladies and gentlemen. So he's good to everyone. He's good to you that he don't, he, he's given you a chance to get it right. Those who are unjust, he's given you a chance to get it right. See, the very fact of the matter is, if it was me, I'm only good to those who do me well. Come on, y'all got to tell the truth tonight. If you do me well, I do you well. You scratch my back, I scratch yours. You stay on my good graces, I stay in your good graces. We gonna have a good old time. But the moment you try to do something slick is when I say, peace out, homie, you got to go. But God is not like that. He said he's good to everyone. That goes beyond my comprehension. I was like, Lord, how can you be good to everyone who curses your name? How can you be good to everyone? Because that's who he is. He can't change who he is just because of the ignorance of some. Because even the ignorant got a chance to change before he cracked the sky. 
It's like, God, how are you good to those who say that you don't even exist? Huh? How do you be good to those folk? God, how are you telling me to do that? To be still good to them, even though they were not good to me? But this, oh my God, if you're hearing where I'm coming from, I'm making a point that this is grace. Hallelujah. Oh my God. Hallelujah. This is grace. And so I'm here to convince you of the love of God and to make sure that you are secure in it because watch this, God is love and God being love, he demonstrates love. And so the very fact of the matter is that he's good to everyone, but he went a step further to show people that he's good to everyone. And the Bible says in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son this is very important because God only has one son and so he began to give up and he sent into the world the only one that he has hallelujah hallelujah the symbol of the father's love is Jesus that's how he can be good to everyone because he sent Jesus he sent his son into the world he sent the son into the world to redeem a fallen nature a fallen world and to try to redeem it back to Christ that's how he's good to everyone because everyone got a chance to receive the very blood that was shed on Calvary on Golgotha's hill they have an opportunity they have a chance and so God said I sent him into the world my only one as a symbol as a sign of my love to you hallelujah if I'm trying to get married and if I'm trying to show her that I'm serious about marriage I gotta show a symbol that I'm serious about it and so you put an engagement ring on her so let you know you're serious about getting married that's what you do when you truly love somebody you put it in demonstration you allow them to see it by your works and not just with your mouth that you love somebody and so all of you you can talk a good game but if you don't got nothing to demonstrate it where the money at where's the demonstration at you can't tell me I don't care if it's just a platonic relationship I don't care you can't tell me if there's no reciprocity in it that you really love me but I'm going all about all of my all the way out of my way for you but you don't do the same in return I got demonstration on my part where's the demonstration on yours and then people act like you owe them something I don't owe you anything And so he came, he sent his only son into the world. God is, he symbol, the father's love is symbolized through his son Jesus. And Jesus furthers that by his sacrifice on the cross. By his sacrifice on the cross. He sent something that was precious to him. He sent something that was unique to him. Hallelujah. Oh my God, don't tell me that you really love somebody and it don't cost you nothing. It don't cost you no sacrifice. It's just not in money, but also in time, also in effort. You can't tell me that God all throughout generations spent effort and making sure Jesus got here when he did in order for you and I sin to be forgiven. It took time. It took effort to get that. Oh my God. And so God demonstrated this through Jesus. 
And so if you look at how God demonstrated it through Jesus, then you have to look at and hold everyone to that same accountability. How do I know this? Thank you, Holy Ghost. He said this. He said, husbands, love your wives as Christ has loved the church. And so he symbolized his dying to a husband, dying to himself, to give himself over to his wife. He says to the woman, don't you submit yourself to somebody not willing to lay down their life for you. Hallelujah. My God in this room tonight. First John chapter four, nine verse, 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 uh, chapter four, verse nine and 10 says, thank you, Daniel. It says, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him the goal of eternal life is through jesus that was the ultimate plan he sent his only and one son verse 10 says this is real love not that we love god but he loved us and sent us his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins He's saying this is real love. That not because we loved him first. That's because he loved us first and sent his son into the world. That's what real love is. Not that, oh my God. Not that we said, oh, we love God and did. No, 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 no. God first, he demonstrated his love by sending his son. Oh my God. He sent in verse 6 said, This is real love. And he sent. He sent. He sent. He sent. This is very important because he sent Jesus into the world. And he sent them with no obligation. He was not obligated to send his son. It's something that he freely decided to do. Not because he had to. Jesus willingly died on the cross. Not because he had to. Because he wanted to. Jesus said, I can send over 10,000 legions of angels to come take me off of here. I said, no one takes my life unless I lay it down. And then the Bible begins to tell you in John chapter 15, verse 13, it says, no greater love than this, than one who's willing to lay down his life for a friend. And so, oh my God, how in the world can God love us when we were enemies of the state? We were enemies. How can God call us friends when we were enemies of his? The Bible says in Romans that while we were yet sinners, Christ died. While you were in your mess, while you were doing what you were doing, he said Christ died for you and I. God don't have to do no more to convince or demonstrate to you that he loves you. But he goes one step further. He says, oh my God, it's because of the Lord's mercies. 
that you are not consumed because his compassions fail not. The Bible says that his new mercies that we see every morning. So in other words, when you run out of mercy your previous day, God gives you a new batch on this day because he knows you're going to need another batch of mercy for the stuff you got to deal with in this day. You need new batches of mercy because, oh my God, all have fallen short of the glory of God. There's not, oh my God, every person, not every day, you have a good old day and you didn't send anything. But there's some moments where you messed up. You may have slipped up. You may have kirked on somebody or did something else. But you had to say, new mercies. I see every, in other words, God gives you a fresh start every day. Woo! Hallelujah. New mercies meaning that he forgets the old and gives you a new batch for the day. Hallelujah. He's oh my God, I don't hold that against you. That's what love is. It doesn't hold any record. He doesn't hold any record. But he takes your sins into the sea of forgetfulness. Never to be remembered. Woo. That's the type of God love. Is that how in the world we, oh my God, you and I, I can keep a record. I can keep record on what you did against me. And I say, oh, well, you don't need to expect a Christmas present this year. Because at the end of the day, you've crossed me. But God said, even when you cross the line, you get a new batch of mercy. How many of y'all in this room say, I need that? I, I need that every day. I need that every day. What type of love is this? Ladies and gentlemen, this is one of the Greek words for love. I'll tell you more of the Greek words for love on Tuesday. But for the sake of time, let me hit this. It says, it's a concept of self-giving love that gives without demanding or expecting repayment. It is the God kind of love. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to try to sway your perception of who you think God is I'm here to take away that listen God's love is not saying that oh you can listen God loves you enough that even with the consequence of your sin he don't let you die from it that is mercy Mercy is, hold, mercy is pretty much holding back something you deserve. And because of mercy, God says, I'm not going to let you go that far. I'm going to pull you back in. There's room at the cross for everyone. If they will receive it. Even your worst enemy, there's room at the cross for them. I don't know why. That ain't my type of love. That's God's love. There's room at the altar for them. Here's... here's huh. Oh God. <laughs> it's not a joke for that, but I believe alone. <laughs> My Jesus. It's like, well, that's you, Lord. That's not me. And just don't expect that from me. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. <sighs> so that is that is the God type of love. Why do I set up all of this to get you finally here? Paul, ladies and gentlemen, as he's ending ending Romans chapter eight. The Roman church has gone through so much persecution, physical harm to their faith. I'm not going to take too long. Coming to an end. They're going through so much. And Paul begins to say, 
that I am persuaded in the King James Version. Paul has lived his life and he's saying this out of his experience with God. That he says that I am convinced. I'm persuaded. Nothing can change my mind. Uh, nothing can change my mind. Ladies and gentlemen, in the perfect tense of this word, persuaded or convinced, in the perfect tense, the latter can mean I have become and I remain convinced. He said, I have become and I have remained. So in the words, in other words, what I'm saying is, is that as you're walking out this Christian walk, you are constantly becoming, you are constantly becoming and remaining confident in this one thing of the love of God. He said, I have become and I remain, I remain confident. I remain, I remain convinced. Nothing can sway my mind. I am sure of this, that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Here's what I'm telling you. There's a, not one thing you have to understand. God's love is not something that you can earn. It's not something that you got to keep earning. I got to earn it. I got to stay. I got to stay perfect. I got to stay on the straight and narrow. That's not how this thing works. So we feel as though, okay, God don't love me if I don't stay on the straight and narrow. No, 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 no. I, I would encourage you to stay on there, but every day you're not going to get it right. You want to get it right every day, but you're just not. And so it's not something that you have to earn. It's not something that you have to work for. You don't have to work for God's love. He done already done the work. He sent his son to die on the cross. All you have to do is remain in his love by remaining in the son. That's it. So you don't have to work for it. You don't have to earn it. You don't, oh my God, you don't have to earn. The, and so here's the other thing. You can't fall out of God's love. So you can't do nothing for it. And you can't earn, you can't fall out of God's love. No matter how hard you try, he's still going to love you anyway. God loves you so much that even when you are in the deepest of deep, you still hear that little small voice telling you to come back home. That is mercy. That is grace. Are you hearing this tonight? That God loves you. Oh, my God. Here's the thing. God loves you so much that he does not condemn you. He doesn't condemn you because he sent his son to be the full sacrifice. Jesus became condemnation. Jesus took on guilt. Jesus took on sin on the cross. Jesus died for your past sin, your present sin, and your future. Anything that you could ever think of or do in this lifetime, he died for it. But if you're not convinced of this truth, Here's the thing. There's a difference between knowing the truth and being convinced of the truth. A lot of us know the truth and they, you've heard this before, but you're not convinced of it. Somewhere in your mind and your psyche will not allow you to think that, this, this, that, that there's a love like this. <laughs> That's why people don't think they'll get any better in their relationships. Because they don't think there could be any better. There could be a better love than this. There is no greater love than the love of Jesus Christ. There is nothing greater than the love that you can receive from God. Are you hearing me tonight? Hear me clearly. 
There's nothing you can do for it. There's nothing you can do. You can't come out of it. You can't. He said nothing can separate you from the love of God. Go to Romans chapter 38. Nothing. He said, no, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ Jesus who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life. So you try to harm my life. Emperor Nero was trying to kill every Christian there was at the time. And so neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons. I don't care. He said, no, no angel can separate you. No fallen demon, no fallen angel, meaning demons can separate you from the love of God. Absolutely nothing. Neither your fears for today. I don't care what you are worried of today. I don't care if you're worried about tomorrow. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Oh my God. And God loves you so much that he says in his world, don't even, oh my God. He says in Matthew, oh my God, Matthew chapter six, he began to say, don't worry about what you should eat or drink tomorrow but he says seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things shall be added unto you the reason why because that is love you don't gotta worry about nothing when God is your provider you don't gotta worry about nothing when God is your sustainer you don't gotta worry about nothing because he's the author and the finisher of your faith you don't gotta worry about nothing because God holds you in the right of oh my God holds you up in his righteous right hand you don't have to worry about anything because God has you covered on every he said neither fears for today no worries about tomorrow not even the powers of hell hallelujah you know what the enemy does he says he's an accuser of the brethren not even the powers of hell no matter what the devil can accuse you of no matter the accusations he can say as many accusations to God as he wants but God looks at him and laughs and says that's okay my son covered it it doesn't matter what no powers of hell can stand between you and the love of God I don't care if hell came in the form of a boyfriend or a girlfriend they can't separate you from the love of God nothing can separate you from the love of God absolutely nothing I don't care if your own self you can't even separate yourself from the love of God there's nothing you can do God said you oh my God the Bible says the eyes of the Lord goes from to and fro there is nothing there's nowhere you can run from the presence of God God's presence is everywhere I don't care if you and the oh my God the psalmist said it though, I'm even make my bed in hell. You are there. It don't matter if you was in hell bed last night. God will deliver you. There's nothing you can do that take you out of the love of Christ. Nothing you can do. This is the type of love. But if you're not convinced of this, how this is why people settle for just any old relationships. Because they're not convinced of the love of God. But when you're convinced of the love of God and you know what it has, if you can, that's why you're worried about tomorrow. That's why you're fearful about the future. Because you're not, oh my God, because you're not convinced of the love of God. But if you become fully convinced and fully persuaded of the love of God, I'm here to tell you tonight that there is nothing that can separate you because you know what the type of love that God has for you and he will leave you out here by yourself he will forsake you he will never leave you because he's God he is God stand your feet he's God he's God why are you worrying about tomorrow 
He's God. The love of God. I don't care if you're worried. Why are you worrying about the future? He's God tonight. He is God. I am convinced of this truth. I'm convinced of this truth. And I'm constantly becoming convinced of this truth. You can't tell me. You can't tell me. Because the love of God. If you look back over your life even right now. You can see that his love has covered a multitude of sin. His love reaches down and goes past where you. Oh my God. Goes past where anyone could ever say anything to you. There's nothing like hearing a word of God. And the word of God just pierces through all of that brokenness lift your hands and thank God for the love your love never fails and it never gives it runs out on me your love never fails and it never gives up and never runs out on me your love never fails and it never gives up never runs out on me your love, your love, your love, your love, your love, your love never fails and it never gives up and never runs out on me. Your love never fails and it never gives up, it never runs out on me. Your love. Your love never fails and it never gives up and never runs out on me. Your love, your love, your love, your love, your love, 